appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to meet him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The Word of God for the world. Thank you, God. Good morning. I want us to begin with a moment of silence. Perhaps if you were baptized, some of you, of course, were baptized in a tradition of infant baptism, and you may not remember that. Some of you have not been baptized, and some of you have. But I'd like us to have a moment of silence as we either remember our baptism or remember the call of our baptismal vow that we buried with Christ in our baptism and raised to newness. Clementus 
was John the Baptist. And that John the Baptist cried not just to make a fuss, but so that all of us might return to who it is we truly are. That's exactly what the sermon today is about. Returning us to who we truly are. Our identity. And yes, it was John the Baptist, unrefined, who calls this word of repentance. Notice Mark's gospel. We didn't read the first three verses. But if you look at Mark's, the only gospel that tells from the very beginning that this is the good news of Jesus Christ. He says it right there in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. And notice what's missing. Anybody? This is where you need to participate. What's missing from Mark 1 that the other Gospels have very clearly? Oh, I heard it. Joyce Bay, say it. The birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus. What? You mean the birth of Jesus isn't in one of the Gospels? That's right. I love Mark's Gospel takes us immediately into this crying out wilderness. And most importantly for Mark's gospel, to highlight the baptism of our Lord. Because it signifies the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, as even Lisa alluded to, these waters are holy. Sure, they were quite murky as I read a recent article about the Jordan River. Oh. And so, I came across a great great writing from Elton Brown. He says, here is a reminder that the gospel is down to earth. Literally. Grounded in the real, tactile, sensual, fleshy world. And these few verses are references to river water, clothing from camels, diet from bugs, Time shoes, a bird analogy, and an interesting weather phenomenon. Mark's earthiness gives us a hedge against faith and worship that are too ethereal, otherworldly, and abstract. Amen to that. We need a little down to earth, don't you think? And yet, with this earthiness in Mark's gospel comes the spirit. When the dove descends, when the heavens are torn apart, earth and spirit are right there. Unless we think this dove sort of gently glides down, I have to borrow one more of Brown's phrases. He says, birds sometimes dive bomb. <laughs> For example, to protect their young. He says, a dive-bombing Holy Spirit would fit with the accompanying torn-apart sky. Many congregations love to sing sweet, sweet spirit, perhaps preferring the sweet heavenly dove to the wild, wind, fierce, flame spirit. And then he asks this very interesting question. Our baptism, our, our baptism, 
baptism rituals sometimes so nice that we neglect to mention the uncomfortable implications of inviting God's spirit to invade our lives, to dive bomb our lives. One of the great things about Providence is, in some ways, is we don't have a baptistry, and so we have to be creative about how we do this. So usually there isn't a lot of niceness. I guess we do more of the water. There's that, typically, although some of the river baptisms have been on cold days. But it is a good reminder that in our baptism, we are being called not on just that day, but in every day forward to carry the death and resurrection of Christ in us. To invite this Holy Spirit into our lives as we do is to invite the Spirit to deconstruct us and to put us back together every day. Now, at Free For All, we had a very interesting discussion. In fact, one person made a comment about how their initial conversion experience was very powerful. And yet, it seems that along the way, and several others said this, years and decades go by, and there's such a distant memory from baptism, knowing who and whose they are. And so today, I want to invite you to your first question. Philip's going to bring the microphone around so you can hear. I want to ask, this question has stayed with me all week from this person at Free For All. Why is it in fact, let me pose it this. Do you know in Mark's gospel, who is it, the only people, except for the, at the very end, that recognize, if you want to call people, that Jesus is the Son of God? Demons. Demons. In Mark's gospel, the only one that recognizes the Christ are demons. So I think it's very interesting that, as one commentator, Ted Smith, said, the disciples, here they are, they stumble along, forever forgetting what they've seen and heard, and the heavens seem not torn apart, but sealed in silence. This is the disciples. And for some of us around the table at Free For All, it was us. Why? Why can it seem that we have such a powerful conversion experience or powerful moments, but years, days, decades can go by and we feel lost or disconnected from that baptismal confession. Okay, I'm going to open that up to hear your comments. Turn me off. The question is, why do you think people experience lostness, a disconnection, when they had such a powerful conversion, a sense of God's spirit in that moment. Okay. A lot of stimuli hitting you almost every day uh, from all sorts of sources. News media being one good example, and then uh, newspapers, all sorts of communications hitting you every day with information that, uh, about all going through a lot of stuff in my place right now. And I'm coming 
we can give you an idea. Some of them are dated like 2009, each week, and that sort of thing. And I'm going back and I'm just taking a quick look at them and I'm saying, how much of this is really relevant? I sometimes think the high of baptism or surrender or whatever you want to call it, I think that high can't be lived day by day. I think there are times when I want it to be lived day by day, but I'm not able to sustain that. My religious convictions today are quite different than they were when I was baptized.
And I've told you before, I love the example of Martin Luther, who, who of course, wasn't, he was baptized as an infant, not in believer's baptism, but he would go around, and any time he faced trials and temptations, he would say, no, for I am baptized. He would remember his baptism. It might seem obvious that as Christians that we know who we are and what we believe and who gives us life, but we forget. And I love the Apostle Paul who uses that language of, gives us this language of being buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. I love this picture because the more, as I started thinking about it, it really does remind me of birth, a new birth. This, you're going under the water and all of a sudden you're back in the womb, like Jesus says to Nicodemus. And when the person comes back up, they're born again. They've shed the old way, they're raised to newness of life, and it may not have hurt as much as it did the first time, that maybe it does. Maybe the daily living and following involves some of that. I want to invite you to this question. I have a spiritual director and his name is Mayhem Siler. Any of y'all know Mayhem Siler? Yeah. A good few of you do. He's just a wise man. He's a pastor of Poland, Memorial, and Raleigh. Um, he's given a lot of workshops. In fact, this particular thing I'm going to share was from First Baptist Asheville at a CBF NC conference where he was a speaker. He said something to me. This was three years ago. I wrote it down on a little piece of post-it and it stayed with me. He said in this workshop, <clears throat> Our primary vocation is not our job, not even our marriage, if we are married. He said, our primary vocation is our baptism. He said, this is our primary identity. So I want to ask you, what do you think this means? What do you think he meant? Of course, he spent a whole next hour talking about that. That our primary vocation is our baptism. What do you think he means by that? Cat in the back. Um, maybe being present to the the living aspect of a, of, of a baptism and the recognizing how it, how it could or will change you, like bringing it into the moment of your everyday choices. I guess. Yeah. Anna? Anna? I guess I continue to <coughs> making the decision over and over again. Baptism is a lot like marriage in a way where you 
taking this relationship to another level. This is just not this little cute thing we're doing. Um, I'm saying in front of others, at least one person that's baptizing me, that I want this kind of relationship. That's number one. Number two is um, it's a partnership. Just as you have um, a, a, a bride and a groom at a wedding, you have two partners in, in a baptism. It's us publicly saying, I want that relationship. Um, also, uh, as you baptize me as an adult, as I went in down into the water, it was my decision to say, I'm going to put myself down into this water. You, while I was down in the water, I was disconnected from everyone. I couldn't hear the voices. I couldn't see the light. I was in the tomb. I was down there by myself alone. And there'll be times in my life I'll be by myself down there alone, but I had your arms underneath me to help lift me up. So we have God's hands underneath us as we are in the, 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 the darkness of life. And then as we lift up to new life, we, 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 we join um, uh, again. And so through the life journey, it is a relationship with another. There are times of darkness. There are times we... Um, are with everyone else, and we are all in different, all in different um, we are always at some point in our life somewhere in our baptism. Um, for a number of years, Kathy and I have worked with the Romani people, the Gypsy people in Europe and in India. And uh, one time, uh, we were invited to a baptism uh, uh, in an area where we had been doing some evangelism and church planting. And there were about 10 gypsy uh, people to be baptized. And as the baptism progressed, one of the gypsy uh, men asked the, the gypsy pastor if he could be baptized with, uh, completely, by total immersion, except he wanted to leave his right hand out and it not get wet. And the pastor said, well, why is that? And he said, well, um, my only profession is as a thief, and um, I need to uh, <laughs> keep this hand out. <laughs> this is a true story, by the way. Um, so we stopped the baptism, went over, sat down under a tree for a while with this man and talked with him. And then a little bit later, um, he said, okay, I'm going to trust that the Lord can take care of my whole life and my family. And um, uh, he was totally immersed. And uh, uh, he took his baptism seriously uh, as a life-changing event uh, for the rest of his life. Jerry. I think, um, like any life decision, whether it's becoming a parent or getting married, or using the, the phrase for vocation, it's a calling. You never really know what you're getting into when you get started. <laughs> and so, if the baptism is going to be meaningful, like Robert said, it has to evolve as you evolve as a person. And the only way that happens is if you continually to make the connection. So that every step along the way, you keep drawing back to that connection. So, I think that's maybe where as Christians we forget sometimes is that we have to constantly say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I give my life to you.
saying that it was like we rise, we're born again, and all like that. And of course, as the baby's born, it has to be fed. And mm -hmm. I think that sometimes the church has to take on that responsibility to guard that and all and help the new ones. But we also, as we get older, we start eating ourselves. Mm. And we have to take time. This is breakfast time. This is lunch. This is dinner. Mm. And sometimes I think we uh, wait till we come to church on Sunday mm. to make that. We want to get filled up. And you cannot get filled up because you can't digest everything at one time. It is, and a lot of people have to eat four meals a day. So, you know, I think that's where I am in my life now. That um, I know I was baptized when I was eight years old, but there was times that I just waited for the the, the revivals like we used to have and, the, and all like that. But it's, you can't grow unless you let the body decide that or your heart decide that each day. It's, it's, and it's hard. It's hard. But you have to put that time to to do the feeding and let, or let the Lord be feeding you. Yeah. And it, it is hard, but uh, I think that's how you stay with this newness of life. Yeah. If you eat good and all, man, you can get out and run races for <laughs> him no matter what it is. Uh, like my friend Bob Brown, I am amazed at what he can do. And, and, uh, yeah. You're an I love that analogy of needing to eat three meals a day. I mean, and here we are, most Christians sort of anemic, um, coming once a week, and, and that newness of life, I think sort of where that lostness comes in over days or weeks and years is <coughs> that disconnect from those meals that have to be daily and multiple times a day. That's a really helpful analogy. I want to, as you know, I always sort of pull this in, and that is that there's a reason why we do baptism in a community with witnesses. And I want to share what one preaching professor, Michael Rognes, said. He said, baptism is more than an individual act. In baptism, we become part of a people. And of course, you know, the Apostle Paul says this. We were all baptized into one body, one baptism, one faith. I love that because it brings us to the sense of inclusion that Christ came for. In fact, as we, as we sort of end our time together, I want us to think about, again, whether you've been baptized or not, that imagery, the earthiness of using this most likely dirty brown water as a way of going under being buried under held under as we used to joke in seminary but a reminder that as you come up there's a newness of life a new start I mean do you realize that John it says that everyone in the Judean countryside and in Jerusalem, so the suburb folk and the city folk and the rural folk were all coming out. It says all of them. As if they knew that confession was good for the soul. 
They were drawn to it. They were drawn to a truth teller. They were drawn to the picture of new birth, a new identity, like this imagery of the, the thief, Gypsy. And there's hope in that. That every day we're reminded of our death, but every day we are reminded of our new life. And I love this. A hymn writer, John Lewisacher, states this in one of his hymns. You can't kill me. I've already died. We die in baptism, but we rise up to new life. You can't kill me. I've already died. This morning, as we have our time to reflect and respond, I want this to be a consecrated few minutes to be a day of new beginning where we celebrate and invite this dive-bombing spirit. To remind you, as I say often, of who you are and whose you are. Dead to sin. Buried to that old way and raised to newness of life. This is the good news. This is the hope of our life that daily, as Anna said, daily be baptized. And so, in these moments where we open ourselves to this dive-bombing spirit, using reminder of water, I invite you, if you'd like, to come up. As I place water on your head, similar to the ashes you will experience in just a month, a little over a month, that reminds vocation and your truest identity that you are God's child the beloved with whom God 